Welcome to the Fifth Estate. They bring you the story. We bring you the truth. The Fifth Estate is the news behind the headlines, holding those in power in check. And now, with the real story, here's Cameron Blewett. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to what are we up to? Episode 56 of the Fifth Estate Podcast. Oh, it's been a bit of a while since I've recorded one. Uh, hang on, let me have a look at the stats here. When did I do that? Nearly a month ago now. Um, so my apologies, folks. Uh, life got in front. Life got in the way, uh, and and everything like that. Though that being said, I'm back now, and uh, this might be a bit of a long one because uh, there's a lot of things that I do want to go over uh, that have happened over the last month, uh, though I won't cover everything that's happened in the last month. I'll just talk about uh, some of the relevant ones to th- that have been relevant for, you know, the last couple of days. Uh, something I do want to start off with is, what did it appear in today's uh, press, that Victoria Police is struggling to find new recruits. Now... Uh, they're blaming a tough job market and COVID-era uh, policing, uh, and that's what I think it relates to. That, in all honesty, uh, you know, yes, there is a bit of a tight job market. Though, if people have any uh, ability to see past their own nose, that they will see that there are tough times coming, and that is traditionally when government jobs like police, uh, defence force, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, uh, their recruiting goes through the roof because people tend to move to uh, government jobs when times are tough because they believe that there's some stability and all that sort of stuff in line with that. Now, uh, you know, so I, I won't, I won't blame the the tough job market too much for that because I, I think that that's just a cop out. Uh, though predominantly what it is is that it's there's bad um, bad taste let's say the, what the actions of Victoria place over the last two years uh, two plus years have left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth uh, and then there's also um, some of the actions that have happened where uh, those involved, in those actions have uh, essentially got away, got away with uh, a slap on their wrist. Uh, you know, there, there's been a lot of assaults lately um, that, you know, that um, mental health, the, the guy that was having a mental health episode uh, in Epping in, uh, was it Northern Victoria, north of uh, Melbourne's north? I won't say Northern Victoria because it's not that far north. Uh, Melbourne's north, uh, he was hit by a police vehicle and then a little bit later on had his head stomped on and the internal, whether it's um, the ethical services or whoever it is, the ones that reviewed the actions of the police turned around and said, no, it was justified. And and I've, I've ranted about it before and I think that that's absolute rubbish. There is no way when... Uh, the Victoria Police have the monopoly on committing violence in this state, should be able to commit those acts of violence and be allowed to get away with them. Oh, no, it was in line with operational whatever. Um, then there was that uh, 
What was it? Car chase for someone that um, uh, had gone on a um, fired a couple of rounds or something like that. I uh, can't remember the the catalyst for the, the car chase, but uh, the guy crashed his vehicle, got out of the car with his hands on his head, uh, lying down on the ground, and you can see, I would believe it's a special operations group because I think that they would be the only ones that go after someone uh, identified like that, uh, and that you know you can be seen that he's kneeing into this person now. You know, this person was not resisting arrest. He was walking with his hands on his head or above his head. Uh, he was very overweight and lying down on the ground. So why? What What was the justification for kneeing this person in their head? Now, before you turn around and say, oh, but he'd done this and he'd done that and he'd done that. Well, yes, he wasn't at the time. And it was uh, after a, a chase. He was out complying with his hands on his head. And yet all that happened. So, you know, it, it's the thing. You know, I've mentioned a lot of times that uh, I think Victoria Police needs to be disbanded, uh, needs to be wound, their operational purview or what they can do in this state needs to be wound back immensely. Uh, I, I think that they're overstepping a lot. I think that with their actions over the last two years that they've uh, destroyed their, their community was it their, their social license to operate in this state and that there needs to be a lot done to, you know, for for them to, to you know, become something legitimate. Not that they should ever be legitimate again, um, but, yeah, it's, it's just something that uh, needs to be done. And now I'm trying to – there's – Give me a minute here while I'm trying to find it. Uh, there was a matter that appeared in VCAT. Uh, actually, no, I've got the PDF. So uh, this is in paper a couple of days ago. Uh, Victoria Police, Former Victoria Police staffer Cameron Patterson boasted about animal torture video tribunal told. Now, this guy was a custodial officer in Gippsland. Now, he'd faced VCAT... Uh, earlier this year because the Victoria Police wanted to put a firearms prohibition order on him. Now, for those who don't know, a firearms prohibition order essentially turns around and says, if granted, uh, actually, no, not if granted, that once it's done because it's not, for an FPO, it's a representative of the Chief Commissioner that decides uh, whether someone should have an FPO. Now, what happens with that is that with the FPO is that the Victoria Police can uh, search you any time that they want without warrant. They can also uh, search um, uh, other people, anyone you're associated with, uh, for, the, for the looks of you know obtaining firearms and all that sort of stuff. So what they say that the FPOs are there for... Um, you know, people of um, gang members and organised crime and all that sort of stuff. So what it does is that if you're driving down the street, even if you're a passenger in the vehicle and the the vehicle gets pulled over, do a licence check and, oh, hey, you're John Smith. We know you. You've got an FPO. Well, then that means that police can search the car and they can search every single person that is in the vicinity of that person. So in that vehicle 
simply because the one person has an FPO against them. Now, I absolutely disagree with that uh, because, you know, there needs to be a rule of law where rights are respected uh, for everyone. It doesn't matter. I mean, you know, if Victoria Police think that these people are doing something wrong, then charge them. Then go through the process of being held accountable for what it is. You know, apply for the search warrant. Uh, you know, do the affidavit to say, yep, you believe whatever it is and all that sort of stuff. Don't just have these, what would you say, fascistic, dictatorial, uh, whatever these, these you know, laws are that allow Victoria Police to do what they want whenever they want. Now, going back to this um, claim, now... When was it done? Date of hearing was uh, 15, 16, 17th of June and the date uh, of the order was handed down on the 9th. So it was a couple of days ago now. Now if we have a look about it, uh, if we have a look. Okay, so in 2018 uh, this individual was convicted of nine offences okay, uh, by entering a, a guilty plea. So the offences were possess a silencer without a permit, use uh, possess unca- unregistered Category A long arm, possess unregistered general Category handgun, shortened barrel of long arm, possess ammunition without licence, so there's three charges, uh, manufacture a handgun without dealer's licence and do act likely to cause pain slash suffer to an animal. Now, that is due to the allegations or, or the, this person. Oh, what was it? Where is it? Okay, his dog uh, attacked an eastern grey kangaroo and this guy laughed as he filmed it and then he also told uh, his colleagues in the watch house that he'd shot the legs off an emu. Now... Both of them, as far as I'm concerned, are despicable acts and that I don't believe that this person should have been walking free. Uh, what was he? I think he was given a... Where was it? Uh, oh, it doesn't say. Uh, he'd been given, um, I think, a community sentence. Actually, no, that was on the VCAT decision. Uh, there you go. The applicant was sentenced to a community corrections order for two years, 24 months, uh, and the CCI had been completed at the time of the hearing. Now, he'd also they also went after him because he made complaints or he'd, he'd treated um, people under sentence, under sentence uh, in the watch house in, what would you say, in ways that were not in line with uh, government, uh, Victoria Police policy. And so they had a bit of a challenge about that and a bit of a, you know, weren't happy with that. Now, uh, when you have a look at the FPO, now this guy lived out in rural areas, so he wasn't allowed to go to any places where firearms were stored. So... That means that, uh, you know, this guy, if he wanted to visit his neighbour or a relative or something like that, and obviously rural areas, there's fire, firearms stored there due to 
you know, a lot of them being farmers and all that sort of stuff, he couldn't go there. So this is the thing. And then this guy took it to VCAT uh, for a review of the decision. And it's it's an interesting decision because when VCAT uh, look at it, they don't review the decision. They look at the decision as, ma- as made from the uh, position of the decision maker. So it says here, um, when undertaking the review, the tribunal stands in the shoes of the original decision maker and is required to make the correct or preferable decision having regard to all the material before the decision maker as well as any other available material up to the date of the hearing. Now, uh, you know, I, as I said, I don't agree with FPOs at all. Now, I, I think it is um, an, an abuse of power um, these things should not be up to the Chief Commissioner to decide. Now, Chief Commissioner, as we've seen over the last couple of months or a couple of years in, in Victoria, that that is a politicised position and that it should not be made, you know, those decisions should not be made to be the, the sole responsibility of the Chief Commissioner. And, you know, and even a VCAT appeal of it doesn't change the fact that he's had it done. Now, this guy had, what, I think 12 months He'd had it, uh, the FPO was served on the applicant on the 15th of July, okay, and expires around uh, nine years, so um, 2031, uh, actually 10 years. So it's a 10 years, so you have an FPO for 10 years. Um, so, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> now, the FPO, mind you, was only served three years after the uh, the original here, you know, the the, the, the applicant's criminal um, criminal case when uh, was in magistrate's court, so that was in May of two thousand eighteen, and then they've waited three years to serve an FPO. Um, I think that this was a test case uh, to see what they could get away with in VCAT, whether they could expand the FPO into other areas now. This because the the tribunal has turned around and said that no, it wasn't apparent, be, um, it wasn't suited, justified because the uh, individual that had the FPO before them uh, didn't commit any of the acts with a firearm or anything like that. That you know, I think it was a test case. Um, would have loved you know. Yeah, it, it, I think it was a test case, and as I said, massive overreach. These things shouldn't be uh, left up to the chief commissioner. I think that if they want an FPO against someone, that they should go to court uh, and have a substantially high barrier for it, because, like everything else, with our the way our legal system is set up, that it is, you know, from what I was told, that the legal system with the um, such high barrier, high bar to to guilty pleas and all that sort of stuff, is that they would rather let nine pe- nine guilty people go free than one innocent person go to prison. Now the same needs to apply here that the bar should be that high that it runs the point of you know guilty people having these things thrown not you know not labelled leveled on them or not committed to them. Uh, than one innocent person having an FPO. Now, by innocent, I mean 
you know, I, I don't mean that they're innocent of charges. I just mean that they're, they're not deserving. And, but then again, who is deserving of an FPO to give the police that much authority where they can overrule the civil rights of, of other people that just because you're in the vicinity of someone? Uh, so anyway, it's, yeah, it's that thing. I don't, I don't agree with it, as I said, and I think that this was just a, a test case as well. Um, now this also goes with the what is it? What are they? Um, I can't find it now. Uh, the government where they gazette a um, under the Weapons Act or the Control of Weapons Act. I can't find that one now. Uh, do, 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 do. Oh, I can't find the gazette. Oh, it'll be somewhere. Anyway, um, what is it? Their orders where they can cordon off an area, just post a gazette, say, hey, between this time and this time, Victoria Police can search anyone without warrant and confiscate any weapons and blah, 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 blah. Well, anything can be used as a weapon. You know, you can have a pen and you can use a pen as a weapon. So what are they going to do? Are they going to go and confiscate everyone's pens? Or you can use a skateboard. So are they going to confiscate everyone's skateboards? And, you know, it's, it's, as I said, it's Victoria Police going overboard, uh, wanting to have free reign on things. Now, the other thing, that last little one about Victoria Police that I wanted to rant about, though this is more of Victorian government, uh, there's a, where is it, traffic camera. Um, camera at the intersection of Airport Drive and Centre Road recorded 5,259 red light and 50k speed infringements in just 90 days. Uh, latest trans Department of Transport data revealed a 13% overall increase in infringements, reflecting the first full quarter operations without restrictions since the pandemic began. There we go. Latest data revealed that the speed camera locations on the Western Ring Road near Sydney Road continued to be the biggest earner for the state coffers. Cameras at this site booked 29,863 drivers for speeding, or 329 every day and totaled 9.19 million in fines. So it's the thing is that, you know, you have to ask yourself, is that, you know, okay, that many people. Okay, 329 people speeding every day. Now, let's say that that's both sides of the road. So let's say we have it 150 each day. 155. Anyway, 150 each day. Math's not good tonight. So in that little stretch. Now, if you have a look at that little stretch, it's a 100k speed limit. Uh, one, there's just near where it is, emerging lanes when you're going southbound, uh, starts the slip lane into to turn left or right onto Sydney Road and then coming from the other way, just gone 
under, is it under the Sydney Road overpass when you're going north? So, you know, it, it's three, four lanes, 100 k's. Now, where's, where's the safety in that? Now, that's, you know, that's not a major accident site. And, you know, it's the thing is that this is just revenue raising. That's all it is, pure and simple revenue raising. You know, actually, I'll, I'll say that any speed camera on the side of the road is just plain revenue raising because if they were genuinely concerned about road safety as they pretend that they are, um, actually, we'll read that. Apart from the Ring Road, a camera at the intersection of Rosanna and Derebin Street, Heidelberg, is most lucrative, clocking 9,722 offenders who received a total of $2.8 million in fines. Now, it's it's the thing. A government spokesman said the camera program was critical in changing driver behaviour and was proved to save lives. The facts speak for themselves. There is on average a 47% reduction in crashes resulting in death or injury at intersections where cameras installed. Mobile speed camera to to issue the mobile camera to issue the most notices. 4,415 was located on Kensington Road between Dynan Street and Devon Dynan Road and Devon Street. Uh, I don't know, man. It, it's I yeah. I, I, it's just revenue raising. Um, yeah, it's it's revenue raising. As I said, if they, if they were concerned about safety, they'd have a visible police officer there. And I'm not talking about the highway patrol that that um, <coughs> patrols up and down there and, and nabs people and all that sort of stuff because they, they're just sneaky the way that they do it as well. Um, you know, I'm talking about a a you know genuine presence. But then also too, if there's that many every day. Does it not show or does it not say that the speed limit is too low, especially on that stretch of road? I mean, you know, 100 k's, you could argue that it could safely do 110 uh, because it's merging where they are. Uh, You know, you could do 110 down there. Obviously, people are uh, and there's not pile-ups every day. Um, I don't think there is. I know there's a lot of traffic, a lot of slow traffic there in the mornings. Is that merging properly? I don't know. Anyway, um, I yeah, just think there's revenue raising, pure and simple as that. And going back to the first thing that I was talking about, any wonder that Victoria Police are having trouble finding people uh, to, you know, recruiting people into uh, the force. Is it the force or the service? Whatever it is. Now... Yeah, it's just something that, yeah, the Victoria Police I don't think is what it used to be. Um, you know, I think it's because they've lowered standards, they've become politicised and all that sort of stuff. So anyway, moving along, still on Victoria now, we're going to talk about public service wages. Nah, it's just, you know, Andrews um, trying to keep employment figures down and, and that's the way the governments do it, that they just create jobs. So the more people that they can employ in government, the more people that are going to be uh, dependent on the government and that's also bribing as well. So, you know, this is the thing, it, it, talking a little bit about politics and all that sort of stuff at the moment. So uh, 
where we're having a look at the figures. Uh, Victoria State Public Service Wage Bill has ballooned at more than double the wage price index since the Andrews government came to power. At the same time, the number of state public servants has increased at almost double the rate of population growth. So you have a look at it. Okay. Uh, wage bill, thirty-five billion. Okay, um, for for wages. Okay, so that's with the Andrews regime. Now we know the Labor Party loves expanding public service. Uh, as I said, that's how they keep job figures down because they'll create all these roles and you know recruit more people, expand the public service. So that's how they keep employment figures down. Now, okay, this is the thing. You've got uh, state employees, 6.1% of the population. Uh, so what's that? Just under 400,000 uh, employees. Now out of that, okay, so those 400,000 employees are reliant on the state government giving them a paycheck. From there, are they likely to vote for anyone else other than the Labor government knowing that when a new party comes in and has a look at the books, they'll turn around and say, nope, Victoria can't afford this, so we're going to have to cut public service wages. And that's what always happens because the Labor Party just spends, 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 spends. So when the Liberal slash National Party get in and form government that they realised, shit, we're running out of money, we're going to have to cut public service to save money. And that means that some of those people will be without a job. So what would you do? Would you vote for Labor Party knowing that you're going to keep your job and you may even be able to get more people to do that and from there? Or would you turn around and say, you know what, I'm going to vote for the Liberal Party or I'm going to vote for a different for the government, whoever's the opposition, to come in. Yes, they may make me lose my job by making me redundant or whatever it is, but hey, you know what? That's something I'm prepared to do. Now, this is the thing. And you know what? I, I know it's going to be controversial, but, you know, maybe let's just say that if you work for the public service, you can't vote because, as I said, you know, isn't that a conflict of interest there? Because that you would only, you know, you're going to vote for the Labor Party because that is uh, what you, you know, you're going to vote because you know they're going to keep you in a job. Whereas if you vote for the Liberal National Party or anyone else, that there's a good chance that they're going to, you're going to lose your job because they will cut public service spending. So you know what? This is the thing. Does it? I, I you know what? I think it holds some merit. Um, whether we can do it or not, I don't know. Uh, whether we should do it or not is, you know what? Actually, no. I'm going to say yes because you've got a conflict of interest there, and and yeah. So um, there's that. So anyway. Moving back on now, I'm sure everyone's seen the big rant about uh, Supreme Leader Andrews misspelling Olivia Newton-John's surname when he posted his little tweet about the state funeral. Um, as I said on Twitter, I think that that shows the utter contempt that Supreme Leader Andrews has for the state and for those who are in it because he, considering the amount of money that uh, he gets to manage his social media, uh, I, I think he has utter contempt for Victoria. So he spelt it wrong and he left the tweet there rather than deleting the tweet, 
a short tweet to say, hey, apologise, I deleted it, spout Ms Newton-John's surname wrong, want to correct it. And then putting the correct spelling up and all that sort of stuff. Um, you know what? Yeah. You know, we've all had typos. I do typos all the time. Um, I leave them up there because that's just me uh, for that. Though, as I said, the taxpayer is spending a bucket load of money on his private office as well as his social media uh, team that the least that they could do is get the spelling right. So anyway, as I said, just shows the contempt that Supreme Leader Andrews has for us. Um what is it, 100 and something days or just under 100 days to the November election and I sadly think that it's going to be another Labor government. Um, not sure if Dan Andrews is going to hold his seat because there seems to be a lot of people uh, will put their hand up for Mulgrave uh, and if those votes, even through preferences, etc., etc., do trickle down, uh, he may lose his seat or he may just hold on to it. Um, I yeah, I, I think that there's going to be a bit of a, a swing against him. Uh, let's see if I can find out. Results. 2018 state election. What did he? How much of a swing did he have? How, how much has he got it? Is he Mulgrave? Grave District. Yeah, he got fifty six percent of the primary vote. Um, on two party preferred, romped it in sixty two percent. Um, so yeah, you know what? It it, it could happen. Um, how many? There was what one, two, three, four, five at the last election in what two thousand and eighteen. I think there's going to be a lot more this year. Um, so we've got Australian Greens, Liberal Party, Labor Party, Transport Matters, and the Labor DLP, uh, Democratic Labor Party. So yeah, there's going to be. I know what Aidan McLinden for. Um, the Freedom Party is running, there's likely to be more. So I think he's going to have a bit of a battle on his hands uh, to to get there. So, But anyway, um, we can only hope uh, that he does lose his seat because I think that that will be something good to see. Um, for that, I have, you know, this is the thing. The Liberal Party's performance over the last couple of weeks has been absolutely woeful. Uh, every day that they keep Matthew Guy as opposition leader is, you know, just makes it that much harder. They're going to have to work that much harder to to be able to form government. And, you know, I really don't think that genuine voters uh, would be it's, – it's, it's just going to be another – the wipeout like what happened with the federal election. So, you know, Matthew Guy is trying to out-socialist the Labor Party by, you know, legislating more uh, greenhouse gas emissions and, and all that sort of bullshit uh, in, into, you know, do it through a legislation rather than a commitment to it. So, you know, why would you want to vote for the Liberal Party when they're doing a Labor light? Why not just vote for the Labor Party itself and give them the mandates to do whatever they want? 
Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be a wipeout. I don't believe that there'll be many lower house seats. There may be an absolute wipeout that they, you know, don't have enough or just have enough to, to form a party. Uh, I think they're going to lose a number of seats in the upper house. Uh, whether the Labor Party can hold on to them or not is a different story. Um, so, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Oh, that one. So we'll just have to, as I said, wait and see. Um, still talking about Victoria politics. Uh, Darren Hinch is going to jump on for another another term, and he's seventy eight now. This is the thing: should we have term limits? So what? That takes him up to eighty one uh, for four years. No, eighty two. Warren, you know. Um, in Parliament, is that should we be allowing politicians to be that old? Uh, you know what? Everyone else has got a sixty-year uh, retirement age at sixty. Why can't we do that with our politicians or sixty-five? Um, you know what? Yeah, should he should he be going in at seventy-eight? I, you know, he will get a lot of votes. People will vote for him. Uh, though, should he? You know what? I don't know. Um, mm, so, but anyway. Oh, just thoughts. Uh, Victorian Party, uh, he's no longer going to field candidates in the 2022 election. They've said that it is because of the uh, laws surrounding political, surrounding political donations. And this is the thing, is that the, the billabong will do things to protect itself and this is what... Uh, the Labor Party has done is created laws that cap the amount of uh, donations, that, and this is you know four thousand dollars over the four years uh, for that. So you know they'll protect itself. They don't want people coming in from outside, so they're going to do what they can to protect themselves. Because you know if you're in government, if you've you've got a seat in parliament, then you get um, the public funding and all that sort of stuff that you can claim, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it is the system is stacked against people coming in from outside, unless you're part of an established party, because then obviously they get money. What is the funding? Candidates and parties. Funding. Actually, let's have a look at... Where is it? Indexed. So... Okay, administrative expenditure funding for registered political parties. Now... This financial year, they get $216,210 for the first member, $75,660 for the second, and then $37,850 for the third to 45th. So I don't think anyone, I don't think they have more than 45 members. Anyway, um, that is in Parliament. Now, every candidate for, let's say, the Legislative Assembly uh, at the last election. Got $6. So that's per first preference vote. 
So with Dan Andrews getting 19,000 votes or 19, yeah, 19 and a half, just over 19,500 votes, that's a freaking bucket load of money to go to the ALP. Uh, nine. So just by the last election for getting 19,000 votes, the Labor Party would have got $117,894 just for him. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's that. Um, and then there's uh, dollar per first preference or per... Dollar per first preference vote or $25,000, whichever is more. So once again, he would have got, for policy development, he would have copped. Actually, no, because at least he would have still got $25,000. Is that every year? I have to find out when that where that is, but um, okay. So this this election twenty 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 two to twenty three donation threshold is one thousand and eighty dollars. General donation cap is four thousand three hundred twenty. So if you donate more than uh, one thousand and eighty dollars, then you have to declare your donation. Which you know it has to be disclosed. Uh, small contribution. So if you donate fifty four dollars or less, you can do it anonymously. Um. Administrative expenditure funding for independent elected members is $200,000. So that, that's the same as what it is for, for parties. Um, funding this year is $6.49 per uh, first preference vote. For legislative council candidates, it is $3.24. Um, and then dollar and eight. For policy development funding, dollar and eight per first preference, or twenty thousand, twenty-seven thousand dollars and twenty cents, whichever is more. Now, yeah, it, it's the system is set up for uh, to protect itself. It always has been. It always will be. Um, yeah, so we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, so where was I? Victorian party, so the Victorian party's gone. Um, just one little thing on uh, politics. Now there was something, an opinion piece in the Herald Sun on what's that, the ninth by Ian Real. Uh, Victoria has too many councils. Here's to fix. Here's how to fix it. Now his view is to uh, merge councils, create super councils, etc., etc. Um, it starts off by saying. Um, okay, here's an unpopular opinion. It's time to start merging local councils of Victoria. I can hear letters to the editor being bashed out already because as much as people grumble about their council, they remain weirdly loyal to the, at the same time. Uh, history of proposed mergers reflects that. Hands off our council, they say. Now, my thoughts, okay, before I get into that, there are 79 councils in Victoria. It would be a big stretch to have, wouldn't be a big stretch to have a dozen fewer. Some in the sector believe there should only be a total of 20. Now, my thoughts on councils are that they shouldn't have the power that they do. Uh, they shouldn't be able to impose taxes, rates, etc., etc. Uh, they should be solely there for the management of 
suitable uh, services in the area, such as, uh, you know, I wouldn't even say roads. I'd just say parks and, and rubbish collection, etc., etc. Um, I'd like to see councils uh, no longer have a government government uh, state um, status stature. So you know, get rid of votes and mayors and, and elections and all that sort of stuff. I think people should be uh, registered voters in the in the area should be. Uh, I won't say conscripted, but I'd be I'd say do their service. I spend voluntary two years. Uh, you know, no wage. You, you know, reasonable expenses will be reimbursed. So if there's any training, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, that needs to be done, uh, that can be reimbursed. But I think it should be purely voluntary positions, and uh, that you know it should be cycled. You know, through every let's say every two years. Uh, so you do two years, yeah, two years. You do um, one lot. So half of it would be for two years, and then to start off with. So half would be two years, and then half would be one year, and then at that one year, those who are tapped on the shoulder again get to do two years. So it, it's that way, and maybe you know, let's say. Could you do it two years? Would that be enough or you'd run out of people? No, okay, let's make it four. Um, four years. So, and then, you know, half council election every two years. So, or half, you know, getting tapped on your shoulder um, for that. And it has to be a period of, let's say, two terms before you can serve again. So that's eight years. Uh, before you can get tapped on the shoulder for that. And if there's not enough people, well, you know what, I don't really think that, you know, if that's not going to work out because you're not going to burn through people too quickly, well, let's just get rid of them. Let's just get rid of councils altogether and have them report to uh, the local government minister is looking after that. So the CEO of the council turns around and says, hey, minister, I think we need increased budget for this, this and this uh, because... Councils can't really make laws on their own. They Most of the time they just follow the guidelines that are down in uh, the relevant uh, local government acts, acts etc., etc. So I think get rid of councils altogether. Um, from an uh, anarchistic point of view, I think I'd like to see councils, uh, the decentralisation of power away from the state and to the point of where the councils are voluntary positions and they can do more stuff within the state. Uh, so things like... Actually, no, there's nothing that the state can do that the councils can't from the position of a, a management perspective. With the, the government system the way that is, power should be removed from the, from the councils because this, this, it's just ridiculous. Three levels of government, you know, federal, state and commonwealth, uh, federal state and local all do the same thing. So there's health departments in each. Uh, do they, Does there need to be? Does there need to be a triplication of everything? No, there doesn't. If you're decentralising power from that aspect, even then, turn around, there doesn't need to be a, a council, a local government department of health. Just, you know, ship that out to a, you know, not-for-profit organisation that can manage it. And the same way is that they do with... Uh, 
different uh, certifications such as, you know, halal and vegan and, and kosher and all that sort of stuff. It's just a, a local body that looks after that and that's what it should be. should be a local body that looks after health that they just go and, um, you know, apply to this body for the relevant health certificates if they have to and see but then even that even that comes down to the point where no there should be mutual recognition so if you have a health certificate for the Whittlesea area then you have mutual recognition for that same certificate to apply in other parts of the state rather than you know vendors that have uh, mobile food vehicles have to apply for a, a relevant council certificate in all those different areas, so Hume, etc., etc. So just go mutual recognition. You apply for it in one, it works in all, all the different areas. So that's the thing, <laughs> going through that as, as we're, we're talking, but, you know, it, it's something. I, I think that we need to remove power from the Commonwealth we need to remove power from the state and we need to remove power from the local governments as well uh, for that. So... Anyway, as I said, that's just my uh, anarchistic way of, of thinking of things. Now, something that, that my next thing that I did want to talk about, speaking about anarchistic, is I just want to play this clip if I can get it going. Um, some may have heard of it before. It's uh, Ted Cruz. Uh, who was it talking to during Senate hearings where he had a go at the FBI director Christopher Ray? Uh, let's see if this comes up. Also included on this is a text that I was particularly struck: is the Gonzalez battle flag. Come and take it. As indicative of being a violent extremist militia. Well, I will self-report right now that every day in the Senate I wear my boots that have the Gonzalez battle flag on the back of them. Director Ray, what are y'all doing? This makes no sense. Do you, do you agree with this FBI guidance that the Betsy Ross flag and the Gadsden flag and the Gonzalez battle flag are signs of militia violent extremism? Now... That's something that, that was – oops, it better turn the volume up a bit more. That was something that was put out by the FBI. Uh, it was supposed to be a uh, law enforcement eyes only. It was leaked or if I void, uh, Freedom of Information Act uh, to one of the um, – uh, one of the, the media, media organisations out there. So – uh, for those who don't know, let's just the Betsy Ross flag is the flag that was around from seventeen uh, seventeen. So it has the the red and white stripes. Uh, what is it? Thirteen red and white stripes, and the where the, the stars are on the current American flag it was a circle of thirteen five pointed stars. So that's the Betsy Ross flag. The uh, what's that one? The Gonzalez battle flag is a flag that's a, with a cannon and a star above it that says come and take it. Now that was from the Battle of Gonzalez in, what was that one, 1835. From there. Uh, 
and then the Gadsden Battle Flag is the Don't Tread On Me one with the, the rattlesnake on the yellow background. Now, this is the thing is that as, as you know, we're, we're seeing it out in, in here in Australia, in particularly in Victoria, because they've got that uh, parliamentary inquiry into uh, extremism or whatever they called it. Um, inquiry into extremism. Uh, that you know, talking about right wing extremism, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Now, having said that, it, you know what I wanted to talk about was that it's only going to be a matter of time, if not already, that the red ensign is going to be listed as one of those things where you know it, it's violent extremists have the red ensign or even the Eureka stockade flag, uh, and you know it, it's going to be a matter of time before. That's happened if it if it hasn't happened already. Uh, for that now, you know, over in the US, those three flags have you know substantial heritage and historical meaning, same as the flags out here. Now to turn around and say that it's because of uh, it's been co-opted, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, well, eh, a flag's a flag. Uh, now what I wanted to raise attention to was something by the pirate. Uh, when did he post that one? It was a while ago now. Uh, These days, flying the Australian flag is more a statement of conservatism than anything else, so it doesn't quite fit in a famous inner-city tavern. And before you howl, it's certainly true on Twitter. Yes. Now, this is because someone's uh, mentioned something about the Oxford Tavern in Peterson, uh, Petersham in New South Wales, flying a transgender flag, Aboriginal flag and a rainbow flag. And they asked, where is the Australian flag? Now, I think that that is a genuine question. Uh, that the pirate, you know, being the socialist that he is, uh, has arced up and said that. Now, interesting that there was a comment. Uh, yeah, these days I can really only associate the Australian flag with John Howard, Pauline Hanson, and laterly, later, laterly Scott Morrison, racists. Um. I assume that any house, and there's, you know, various comments on Twitter, I assume that any house or establishment flying the Australian flag is a bastion of right-wing conservatism, a la Tony Abbott, and say to myself, thanks for the heads up. Um, overt pr- another comment, overt pride in the Australian flag is a clear indicator of predominantly far-right white nationalists. They co-opted the flag such that the rest of us now want nothing to do with it. Um, it's yeah, and and this is the concerning thing is that we're getting so much crap from I'd say brainwashing from the corrupt corporate press that it's that you know everything is that, and I also have a discussion with someone uh, last week as well, and. They were talking and just happened to say, oh, they followed a car with a race. Uh, well, what did they say? A white supremacist flag uh, flying on it. And I thought, okay, what's this white supremacist flag? Never seen one. And so, of course, me being me, turned around with a bit of a, a cheeky comment, what, the Australian flag? No, 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 no. And said, what was it? The um, Southern Cross, the Eureka Stockade flag? No, 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 no. I said, what, the red ensign? And she gone, yeah, 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 it was a red ensign. It's like the red one. And it's just like, okay, well, actually, it's not. 
if you have a look at the history of the flag, it was the civil ensign, which is the red one. Uh, but now, hey, we've believed, we're told that, you know, it's only extremists that have these flags, etc., uh, etc. Et so, you know what, it's, you know, we laugh at what happens in the US and how that they go on with things and think, oh, no, 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 that'll never happen out here. You know, they're just bonkers and, and you know, whatever else. But you know what, I think it is starting to happen out here. And as I said, I wouldn't be surprised if there is some top secret memo coming out that the, um, you know, Australian flag or the Red Ensign or the um, Eureka Stockade flag is going to be indicative of, you know, right-wing violent extremists. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm tempted just to do YouTube videos and post them up, uh, have them in the background, but, hey, yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's just one of those things. And, and what are we allowing this, you know, th- this country to become where, you know, we're going to sit back and, and let this happen when... If you have a look at, um, yeah, it, it's anyway. Not going to go there. It's just absolute bonkers. Um, yeah, it, it it's where we're allowing things to be dictated to us by those with an agenda um, and what wanting to create further division. Uh, within the within this country because they can't divide us by whatever so they're going to divide us through the um, you know identity politics uh, so yeah um, what else was it that I wanted to rant about tonight mm, I think no I think I might might leave it at that. Uh, there's bound to be something else that I want to rant about, but hopefully that'll come out tomorrow. Um, yeah, that'll do. That's about it. That's all I can think of. Uh, oh, under an hour? I thought this would be over an hour there. So anyway, uh, thank you for listening. And uh, if you are on social media and you haven't followed me on Twitter, hunt me down on Twitter. Uh Am I Cameron Blewett, one word? Or is it Cameron Dot Blewett? I can never remember to tell you the truth. Um, yeah, it's Cameron Blewett, one word. Uh, you'll see me there. Um, got a picture that's a little bit old. I might update it soon. Uh, but, you know, hunt me down on Twitter. Feel free to follow me. Uh, I will follow back. All that sort of good stuff. Um let me know what your thoughts are on this one. Thumbs up, thumbs down, share, whatever you have to do, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, as I said, thanks for listening and I look forward to having you join me on the next one. So until then, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Fifth Estate, the news behind the headlines. Until the next episode of The Fifth Estate releases, We'd love for you to leave a review wherever you go to for quality podcasts. And we'll keep holding those in power in check.